Hey, it's the good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit reminding you that nobody Patreons like we Patreon. So join us at C4FAP and go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and sign up at a level of your choosing. There's various tiers with various goodies for you. Somebody, Something that everyone gets at any level is you get to be a part of our Slack channel community. And you get early and ad-free access to all our episodes. But wait, there's more. So go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and check out all we have to offer. We urge you, sign up today. And then I'm going to do the countdown. Okay, so right. three, two, one. Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Jordan Hart. He is here to talk about his new series, Ripple Effects. It is a five-part graphic medicine series from Fanbase Press. Issue one you know, just came out on um, Hoopla Digital on June 15th. And the trade will come out, um, I know, sometime later this year. I, I'm not sure when, but yeah. And Jordan, feel free to add if you, if you do know when the release date is. That's fine, too. Jordan, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm doing great. It's Monday, and I can't think of a better way to start the week than doing a podcast about comics. So, And the trade comes out November uh, 2022. So it's up for pre-order now, but we'll release in 2022. All right. Okay, that's cool. All right. Now, I'm, so listeners, um, you know, Jordan has written um, – some what is it like um comics or is it graphic novel that should should say was it is it uh, a little comic? little bit of both one okay. was a graphic novel one was a limited series into a graphic novel so yeah all of it okay all right now you're now correct me if i'm wrong and correct me on the pronunciation too um your first comic book and it came out again correct me around the on the year 2016 from ossm comics correct uh, Termin Arch? Termin Arch? Termin Arch, yep. 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 Okay. And then, and feel free, if you, if you want to add like what this, what these, you know, what the, um, you know, what the stories were about, just jump in. That's fine. Sure. Yes, yeah. Termin Arch is a fun one. It's a, a idea I had in high school that I just hung on to. Uh, it's like uh, where, you know, robots come, become self-aware and how they always wipe out humanity. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to you know build a story where they didn't wipe out human artists because they viewed human art as something they can't do so they could do you know data entry or or all these other things but like composing a song or painting they they are just mystified so they began to look at human artists as gods so i call it a dystopian utopia where <laughs> There was, there was a cataclysm, obviously, they became self-aware, but then the surviving artists that are left are worshipped like gods. So that was a different spin on the robot apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then your other works include Doppelganger that came um, that was from Alterna Comics that came out in 2018. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. And what is that one about? So that uh, was kind of... Uh, that was a hat tip of mine to 80s comedic horror that I loved, like Fright Night, for example. Oh my like God, yes. Movies that came out that were 
you know, horror, but still comedy at the same time. Yes. So that was, uh, yeah, that was my kind of homage to that oh. genre. So it was a four issue miniseries uh, about a computer engineer who mm -hmm. gets copied by his doppelganger, by a doppelganger spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and that one was fun because I got to build in some mechanics. So I bought it, I, I built in this story mechanic that um, if anyone saw you standing next to your doppelganger, they were instantly erased from reality. So it's like you, he couldn't talk to his doppelganger when they're with his family or with his coworkers. Uh -huh. So Dennis, the main character, had to keep his distance, but he couldn't. Um, and then I also worked in uh, an Egyptian belief. The Egyptians believed in, uh, in doppelgangers. And they believed that they not only copied your appearance, but they copied all of your memories. Mm -hmm. And if a doppelganger copies your memories, then they really are you. And uh -huh. no one can tell that they're not. So this doppelganger is able to do HTML coding and all computer and all the, be a computer whiz just because he copied the memories from Dennis. So that was a fun little four issue uh, horror comedy. For sure. Oh, that's so cool. I, I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off the cuff. It, it kind of sort of reminds me of the movie, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Sixth Day. Correct. Yeah. Well, just a yeah. little bit, but yeah. 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 Where you can't tell, like, yes, his whole family mm -hmm. thinks it's him, you know, like you, he knows Dennis's wife's nickname and stuff yeah. like that, where it's like, so there's no way you would know that it's not him. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. And then your other work that you also did, that was, um, was Emergence. And I'm going to ask you, um, like, um, what publisher did it, um, um, what was the publisher and when did that come out? Sure. Emergence was, I think, 2018. And that was just a graphic short story. It was 11 pages long. And that was with Alterna as well. Um, and the story there was that uh, there's a belief that the Bermuda Triangle is only one of eight to nine portals across the planet. Oh, okay. And the story is that everything that went missing mm -hmm. is now all coming back into present day. So mm -hmm. ships, people, yeah. anything is coming back to present day. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I'm just going to ask, so Emergence, um, like you said, it's a short story. Was it part of their, like, one of their anthology series, like, um, like yes. If or... Um, Someone it came out on Wednesday. That's yeah. what it was part of. Yeah, it was in. It came out on Wednesday, number three. Oh, okay. So, yeah, shortly after it started. Okay, and then I'm just gonna. Um, um, now, if listeners are interested in, you know, any any of your previous works, you know, um, is it still available? Is it still around? Uh, digitally, digitally, they should be. I, I think print is, they're pretty much out of print. Unless you catch me at a convention that, okay. I'm, at, that I'm at, I'll, I'll have them. So, uh, yeah, if you're at any, uh, Southern California conventions, I will probably have them if interested. All right. Now I'm going to ask, you know, um, do you want to add anything to your, to, you know, to, um, to any of your previous works? Like, did I miss anything or, you know, Oh, uh, then I think that, yeah, that's it. You nailed it. So, yep. All good. All right. Now, before we begin the interview, I want to give a big shout out to Barbara Dillon. Now, she's the fan base press editor-in-chief for setting up this interview and also for providing me a co an advanced copy of Ripple Effects. And also to Barbara, thank you very much for, you know, um, asking the Comics for Fun and Profit um, to interview Jordan. So Barbara, thank you very much. 
Jordan, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, no, thank you to Barbara and Brian Dillon as well. They are uh, friends before they were my publisher. So uh, they're great people mm -hmm. and they're at every SoCalCon too. Please stop by and talk to them. They're really uh, trying to publish things that should get published. So yes. I love working with them. Okay. Now also, now um, I also want to let listeners know that I did get, you know, some of my information from the fan base press um, press release and the awesome YouTube podcast, The Writer's Block, that's hosted by David Avaloni and a friend of the show, Ryland Grant. Um, because I know, um, Jordan, you and Barbara were, um, they, they interviewed you guys on um, episode 70 that was re released on June 15th. Listeners, if you guys get a chance, please check out that episode. Jordan, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that on top of that? No, that, that, yeah, just check that out. That's great because Barbara's on that as well. So she offers um, a lot of great publisher side mm -hmm. insight into, you know, like what she's looking for, what publishers are looking for. Um, I think she offers some, some great uh, advice and mm -hmm. just in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, just on Instagram these days, and it's uh, Jordy Jordith. So it's J-O-R-D-Y-J-O-R-D-I-T-H on Instagram. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm going to start with your origin story. So where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. on the south side of Milwaukee, which is the blue-collar uh, side. So that's where I grew up. I now currently live in Southern California. Um, mm -hmm. I have for the past, geez, almost 10 years now. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. born and raised in the Midwest. <laughs> now, um, what was your, what was or were your first comics or your Sunday comics or even Mad Magazines that you read growing up? Okay, so this is a, this is a good one. This is yes. like a, two, a, a two-fold story. Um, yeah. So as, as a child of the 80s, I was super into Ghostbusters, like many of us were in the yeah. kind of second half of the 80s. So um, being so into it, my and I loved drawing. I, as a kid, I, that was my favorite thing was to draw. So my parents thought it would be a great idea to get me um, a Ghostbusters comic book. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the adaptation of Ghostbusters 2. So it's actually a graphic novel from... Oh, okay. I want to say now comics did it. I don't know, they're not around anymore, but I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, now comics. Yeah. Yeah, the cool like IBM lines going through it. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I got it and I love that. But um, to be honest, I loved it because it was Ghostbusters, right? Not because of the medium. Like it could have been anything Ghostbusters and I loved it. So then fast forward, you know, to when I was about six years old, mm -hmm. I was at the grocery store with my mom. Mm -hmm. And we walked by the magazine rack or whatever. I don't know. She's yeah. getting a birthday card. And I saw Jim Lee's X-Men number one on it. Oh, yes. And it was, it was the cover. I think it was like cover, cover A where it's Cyclops, Wolverine, yes. and in the background. And I remember I was, I was six years old and I was standing there like slack jawed. <laughs> like, there's a guy shooting lasers out of his eye, a guy with claws coming out of his yes. hands, and some dude made of ice in the background. And yeah. I was like begging my mom for it. And then uh -huh. of course, like I got it. And then, then it exploded. Then it was 
comics were everything to me. Like that's, that's what introduced me to like comics, superheroes. You know, I was, every, every boy loves, at least in the Midwest, loves Superman and Batman when I was yeah. growing up. But I was never really into them. But then like with X-Men, that was what I was into. And then the animated cartoon a year yes. or two later came out and then yeah. they just exploded, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like then, then that was like, also like, hey, I, I, I love these guys before they were even a cartoon. So it made, it just really cemented, cemented that for me. So I just mm-hmm. became a true believer at a very young age uh, because of them. Oh, nice. And then um, off the cuff question, because I know when the animated series came out, there was the toy line from Toy Biz back then. Yes. Did you yeah. get any of the action figures? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was, like, I was cutting grass <laughs> as a seven-year-old just to have cash uh, to go get the Toy Biz figures or comic books yeah. uh, from the pharmacy. So. Uh, yeah, I was I was all in. It was the cartoon every Saturday morning. They played it by me, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then the toys and just trying to get them all. It was it was the best. Um, another off the cuff question: Do you have any of your action figures from back at that time from the 90s? yes? So the great thing about Wisconsin is that there's basements. So yes. <laughs> yeah. most people. So it's. In my parents' basement, but yeah. there was yeah, there was a tote of all my figures. And then as I got older, because I opened all of them, obviously. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just you had to. As a, as I got older and started going to conventions out here, I would just pick up ones in boxes when I saw it. So I I, I picked up like the the first one I got was actually Magneto from the first line, right? Where okay, yes. purple, he had the purple blister card. And I think there was a magnet on his chest that you yeah. could put stuff to. So yeah. so yeah, that that and the Wolverine. And I remember the Wolverine came with a katana too. And I was like, dude, this dude has claws and he has a katana. Mm-hmm. This is the best. So yeah, I, de- I definitely rebuy the uh, the special ones. Well, here, I know. Uh, I know. It's an audio. Listeners, listeners won't see this, yes. but I do have this right here. The uh, This is the old Sentinel, the oh toy big Sentinel. Yes. This is from uh, San Diego Comic Con. I was uh, see we got the Toys R Us price tag on it on the side. Ah, yeah. But yeah, I was just walking by and it was the last day and it's in really good shape and he had it and I was like, I'm I need that. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, I I grabbed it. I got that a couple years ago. I think it was probably 2018 Comic Con 2018. I grabbed that. So I love that stuff. That is great. Okay, now. Um, before we started, you know, recording and stuff, um, um, you know, listeners, you know, behind Jordan, um, Jordan has these two very nice prints by, and correct me if I'm wrong, from, from Mondo, correct? Correct. Yep. Mondo. Of, um, a Galactus, you know, um, it like a up close of Galactus, Galactus face and another one where it's just, it's just, just shows his immense size. Um. I'm going to ask you, do you want to talk about that just briefly before I ask you the question about Galactus? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we were just saying, X-Men were always my, my favorites. If I had to pick an absolute favorite superhero, it'd be Spider-Man. He's, mm-hmm. he's the best. But um, the Galactus character design for me always just was like fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, 
like we talked about earlier, when you get his scale right about how big he really is yes. and, and just how crazy Kirby went on him with, you know, his typical uh, te sci-fi tech uh, yes. style. That yes. He's just one of my favorite character designs in like any medium. Mm -hmm. It's just it's awesome. I love Galactus. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know, um, how did Galactus become like one of your favorite characters? How? Yeah. Yeah, I think just through reading older comics, you mm -hmm. know, like like Silver Surfer, I knew him, mm -hmm. and then through Silver Surfer, I got to Galactus. So mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't remember the exact book, but um, but I remember that. And then for some reason, I can't tell you what book it is, uh, what issue it was, but there was a moment when like. Galactus and Venom combined and there's a there's like a Venom suit Galactus and it's a splash page it was from oh. the 90s and I remember seeing that and it was like so and it's got to be a Fantastic Four book it has to so um, I have to look that up I because I'm going to say I because I'm going to be honest um well of course because I have a ton of comics and I'm having I'm backed up on my reading but I don't think I've ever heard that. Now I got to check it out. Yeah, I need to find it for you for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of surprised Marvel hasn't gone back to that. That would be pretty, uh, you know, that would be pretty cool. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. So, sorry, I'm going to continue on. So Drew, the um, co-host of Comic Store Front and Profit, he submitted this question. Um, you know, do you remember what was your first comic shop that you went to? Yeah, uh, so my first comic shop was called Nostalgia World. What a great name. And it was uh, in an area of Wisconsin, uh, West Dallas. Um, and it was close to my school. So mm -hmm. if I had Boy Scouts or if I had a, a baseball game mm -hmm. or something like that, you know, and it, uh, my dad would take me there, not every time, maybe once a month, twice a month if I got like good grades mm -hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I could go in, I could pick one comic. That was the deal. And that was like the hardest thing to pick one comic. But the, the owner was great. He like, he knew me by name. He loved having me. And he kind of, then he kind of started to learn what I loved. And uh -huh. like, this, you'll like that. And, and it was awesome. Um, you know, when I was growing up still, like I said, I saw X-Men 1 in the grocery store. Yes. Um, a lot of comics I got going with my parents to a pharmacy or with my grandparents to a pharmacy. Yes. There'd be a spinner rack, right? Yes. Don't pluck one out. So, yeah, that was um, that was where I kind of got my newer comics in a mm -hmm. pinch. But, but through Nostalgia World is where I was able to, you know, get the older stuff for cheap. So. I, I kindly remember getting like a lot of a lot of the uh, Burn X Men and like Sylvester X Men, all that, and it was like, they're like a quarter each. Oh my! Oh yes, I mean it's dirt cheap. So uh, I, I got caught up on like I think I got the whole set of Secret Wars for like five dollars, the original ones. Wow, I, that's cheaper back then. Oh yeah, because and, and of course and and you know just to get again, it's like this is we're talking like the early 90s or mid 90s yeah early 90s yeah before yeah. i mean literally before like you know the huge explosion of speculation and everything yeah yeah i know if i if well i didn't have i was a little kid on grass cutting money but if i would have known yeah like i could buy x-men one 
for $120 back then, if I really, you know, beat up version, it's like, man, if only would have known that then. But yeah. if, if all of us would have known that then, yes. that's the thing, so. And then, sorry, I'm going off the cuff here, Jordan. Now, um, listeners, um, the other thing too is that, um, you know, I just want to let you guys know that when Jordan talks about a spinner rack, because directly behind him, is yeah. it, you have your own spinner rack. Correct. So how did you get that spinner rack? Correct. So that is another thing uh, that I had been looking for for, I'm not kidding, like 20 years. I, mm -hmm. I would just, if I saw an old pharmacy on the road, I'd pull over and I'd yeah. go, you have any comic spinner racks, anything? And it was, one was going out of business and I went in and it turns out the guy threw three of them out the week before. And I was just mm -hmm. like, and the, and the poor guy looks at me and he's like, what? People want those? They're worth money? It's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You should have checked eBay before. But, um, but, you know, like I could only find them on eBay. And when I did find them, rightfully no one wanted to sell. So, I mean, like you got you to gotta ask. But then, of course, you, you know, I knew no one would want to sell. So, basically, God, it must have been like five years ago, maybe longer. I don't know. Um, I can't remember his name, sadly, but he uh, he did a Kickstarter for mm -hmm. the spinner rack, and it was just it was just called Spinner Rack. It was a Kickstarter, and I actually mm -hmm. found out about it from Brian Dillon from Fanbase Press because yeah. I would always tell him I wanted a spinner rack. He sent it to me, and they offered it in black and white. I got the white because it reminded me of the ones yeah. I saw as a kid. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I know he had a goal in mind for how many spinner racks he needed to cover the price and the cost mm -hmm. of the ex orders exceeded that. So um, all my friends that come over, you know, they all love comics and they're just like, when is it going to come back? It's like they need to kickstart it again because it is, it's so worth it. It's yes, it is. Yeah, it's just like the problem with the old ones, like while they're authentic, like sadly a lot of them are rusted. Yeah, know? I think, they're yeah. Really yeah, they don't spin or it's, gonna, they could ruin your books if they're yeah. not fully covered and everything. So it's like, it's actually better having a new one. But uh, but yeah, I'm hoping I still get an authentic one one day. That's that's like my goal to still try and find one. But <laughs> it's, it only gets harder as the years go by. There's less and less, so. Yeah. So, all right, um, Jordan, so how did your journey get started working in comics? Yeah, so uh, I grew up a comic fan lifelong, mm -hmm. as, I, as, as I mentioned, but, um, you know, my, I kind of wanted to be a comic book artist my whole life until I hit high school, and then I was like, oh, I want to be a stunt double. <laughs> thought that mm -hmm. was my calling to be a yes. stunt double in a movie, and I, I, and I loved it. Um, and then <clears throat> basically, uh, I was not going to go to college to pursue being a stunt double uh -huh. and my parents convinced me to get my degree. Uh, uh -huh. I was the first person from my family to get my degree. So uh -huh. they convinced me to get it, which, which I'm very grateful, uh, uh -huh. and figuring that I could just go do it after to have something fall back on. Yes. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I just got into graphic design. That's what I went to college for okay. then. And, and, um, still just always loved comics and, Basically, I feel like if you love, if you really, really love something, you hit a point where you're like, I want to do something of my own. And, yes. you know, like, I love this. Can I, can I offer or do something that hasn't been done before? Mm -hmm. and, and really, 
I just kind of remembered how much I wanted to work in comics as a kid and how like Jim Lee was my ultimate hero uh-huh. and Farland, you know, and all the, and Sylvester, all the image mm-hmm. guys. And uh, I was just like, why not give it a shot? I know mm-hmm. it's going to be incredibly hard, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I just decided to give it a shot. <laughs> and uh, yes. and it was not easy. It was probably, it was very hard. It was, you know, years of work, but I just mm-hmm. never gave up. And mm-hmm. uh, finally got in, in with Terminarch in 2016. Now, um, I'm going to ask you a Terminarch. How excited were you? were you to see your name on that comic? Because that, if correct me if I'm wrong, that was your first comic. How correct. Yeah. I was very, very excited to, um, to see my name. Also, the excitement came earlier when it was my first comic. And, and you know, to order modern comics, you have to order through, stores have to order through Diamond mm-hmm. uh, Previews. That's how they order. Uh, Diamond Previews did a spotlight on Terminar. Like they did feature and like all mm-hmm. this, all this stuff. Oh, did you need to get that? No, no. Oh, okay. cover just fell off my bookshelf. <laughs> the air's blowing too hard. Uh, or he's pissed. Okay. Skeletor is probably trying to give you a big warning. And it's like, yeah. all right, remember ripple effects. No yeah. spoilers. You know? yeah. he's, like, he's like, stay on track, bro. <laughs> but uh, but Sorry. yeah. So, so when Diamond featured it, that's when it felt real. It was like, uh-huh. holy cow. And then, yeah, when it came out, to see it on the shelves of the store that I shopped mm-hmm. at, Pulp Fiction, in, yes. uh, in Culver City in Los Angeles, it was, it was surreal, honestly. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was surreal. And then they even, being my store where my pull was, they put up a poster and all this stuff. And it was just like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. <sighs> that is so nice. Yeah. Um, off the cuff question, because I know you said, you know, like kind of like the, the creators that you looked up to, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, yeah. Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Have you met any of them at cons or, you know? Yes. So I've actually met all of them mm-hmm. as a fan, not yes. as a professional, but as a fan, all of them at cons, mm-hmm. uh, at signings. So, mm-hmm. you know, they will, they will all do signings. Uh, Todd McFarland, I met like while he was at the booth, but also he was just walking around. So yeah. I just Malcolm's like, oh, thank you, and blah, blah, blah. He was the nicest, nicest guy to any fan. And then um, at WonderCon one year, uh, I was taking the elevator down from my room to the convention floor, and it's just me and one other person. I look, I was on my phone, I pay attention. I look, it's Rob Liefeld. I was like, oh, man. (laughs) I started talking to Rob Liefeld. And again, you know, as a fan, he was was incredibly nice. So... Mm -hmm. um, they were they were awesome. Um, it's pretty cool, you know. To, to that is nice. Look up to these guys creatively mm-hmm. as a kid, and then and then to meet them, you know, it's been great. And and now all the creators I, I've met, for, for the most part, modern creators uh, are the same way. They're great, mm-hmm. so can't complain. Oh, that is so cool. Okay, now. Um... Jordan, I'm going to move on. We're going to start talking about ripple effects. Now, listeners, um, you know, ripple effects is a graphic medicine series that talks about invisible dis- disabilities. Now, before I start asking Jordan questions and we start talking about the series, you know, there are a couple, ter- you know, I just want to give some definitions 
um, that may be used that we, if we do, you know, say graph, you know, graphic medicine or invisible disabilities, I just want to give some de um, definition to it. Um, invisible disabilities, it's also known as hidden disabilities or you know, non-visible disabilities. Now, basically how I would just describe it, it just looks like, you know, a person just looks physically normal, that there's, it, there, it doesn't look like they have any, you know, anything wrong with them. But some people may have a chronic illness and a condition that impairs normal activities of daily living. Some of these disabilities are mental health conditions, diabetes, dementia, and, and you know, probably some type of heart condition or, or, you know, we're still in the pandemic or some type of long-term COVID effects, you know. Um, and also invisible disabilities can also include symptoms such as chronic pain, fatigue, you know, dizziness. Now also I'm gonna let you know that I got, you know, some of this information from Wikipedia. Now, graphic medicine, um, I'm gonna be honest, the first time I, this, the first time I've heard of this terminology when um, I got the fan base press um, release, it um, is, is the quote, use of comics to tell personal stories of illness and health. And again, I got this, you know, from Wikipedia. Now, um, uh, and you know, um, and listeners, you know, a very good example of graphic medicine is the um, is the graphic novel that, um, called Just Roll With It. And it was because I interviewed Veronica Argwell and Lee Durfey Lavoie. And Lee, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. I'm sorry if I butchered it. Now the story is about Maggie, a sixth grader who's starting middle school and new challenges that comes with it. And the focus of the story is on mental health and how she learns how to um, cope with this. And, you know, I'm going to say a shameless plug. If you get a chance, if you've never heard of that interview, please check out the Comics for Fun and Profit episode 710. Um, that episode came out on February 14, 2022. Now, Jordan, before I continue on, do you want to add anything to that? No, yeah, you, you covered exactly what graphic medicine uh, is. Perfect. Okay. All right. Now, before I start asking Jordan more questions about ripple effects, I, I wanted to, and sorry, Jordan, I just kind of added this in at the last minute because I love the opening line of ripple effects number one. And I love the first line, you know, quote, and then this is from the character George, what George says. He's a writer, the main character in the story. It's been said that writers are artists who desperately need to make sense of the world. Did you want to add anything to that before I start you know, asking questions or anything? Go, go ahead. I'm, I thank you for appreciating that line. Thank you. Because it was, it, it just, um, to me, it just captured, you know, um, it's not, it just captured, um, what George is probably going through. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So, Jordan, I'm going to ask you Ripple Effects. What is the story about? So, the story of Ripple Effects is about a young 25 year old, mm -hmm. uh, an aspiring writer, as Jason just mentioned, um, who has recently been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, so, he had no prior symptoms. Mm -hmm. Nothing that could have, no family history. It just happened to him a few years uh, previous. And the story is him trying to accept that. 
Um, you know, a lot of chronic illnesses and visible illnesses do come out of nowhere and they are very hard um, to accept and to kind of make sense of. And we'll get into this later, but uh, but ripple effect stems from my own invisible illness mm -hmm. that came to me when I was 25. Yeah. So, um, you know, that opening line of writers or artists who desperately try to uh, make sense of the world uh, is exactly how I felt, exactly how I think a lot of people feel, mm -hmm. and that is like, why me? You know, um, I was healthy, there's no family history. Yes. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. Not that you're looking like the woe is me or that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm suffering or that. You, you just want to find out why it happened because, you know, I feel like inherently we all believe in some type of uh, karmatic justice, right? That like, mm -hmm. you know, like only the terrible things happen to terrible people. And, mm -hmm. and that's just not the case. And mm -hmm. um, that, so that's where that line comes from. Now, what makes it a superhero story is that for George, uh, what came with his type one diabetes also came, uh, it brought along invincibility. Yes. Yeah, it, it brought a, along a power that we call damage negation, where basically anything that hits his body just bounces right off mm -hmm. and his body absorbs the impact and it just sends ripples down uh, his skin from, mm -hmm. from where it was hit. Um, so, so that came a few weeks after his type one diabetes. So ripple effects is very much the story of a guy trying to accept his chronic illness mm -hmm. and he, it came with a gift that he yes. doesn't want that he doesn't <laughs> even care about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the real paradox of ripple effects is that he has type one diabetes. So he has to inject insulin into his body every day. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is he's invincible. So no one else can do it but himself. So mm -hmm. that just opens a whole other slew of problems from him along the series. Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you, um, you know, um, you know, can, you know, how, how did you come up with this story? How, where did it come from? Um, so, yeah. So as I mentioned, when I was 25, uh, I became very ill uh, after a few misdiagnoses. Uh, mm. I was in bad chest pain and I began, uh, woke up in the middle of the night, just coughing up blood, a, a lot of blood. And um, we didn't know it was wrong. So mm -hmm. my fiance at the time, my wife now, we went to the hospital and they thought it was a lung infection or something called pleurisy. And then they came back and they, and they were like, um, have you been on any long flights? And I said, no. And like, well, you have blood clots all in your lungs. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know why there's no family here history, nothing. Um, and basically I learned out, learned, we all learned that night that I have a blood clotting disorder mm -hmm. that when I was 25, my, my DNA just mutated, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. So my whole life wanting to be a mutant as a kid and then, <laughs> finally came but uh so yeah so how he's feeling basically was how i felt you know mm -hmm. like i ran five miles a day i didn't drink i, I didn't do drugs so it was like this just doesn't make sense and, yes. and you know it just it just my body did what it wanted to do and, and then that was it so um you know i always had that thought into my mind about this would make like a cool superhero story mm -hmm. yes so, yeah so i always had that in my mind and then it was a way for me to kind of turn a personal negative into a positive where i thought mm -hmm. i could take my experiences and yes. put them into a story 
um, so that other people with a vis invisible illnesses would not feel alone and know that other yes. people have gone through it and that people without invisible illnesses can understand it more and, and yes. understand what it's like. Um, Cause they, they surely know people with invisible illnesses. They just probably don't know that they have one at that. Yes. So yeah. And then Jordan, this is an off the cuff comment and I, I'm not, Please, I don't mean to be offensive or anything, but, and again, listeners, again, I, of course, this is an audio podcast, but me and Jordan are doing this over Zoom. And I'm going to say, if, if I met you, if I didn't know anything about your medical history, um, if I saw you at a convention, go, hey, Jordan, how are you doing? I, you look healthy, you look well, but yeah, yet it's, you have, um, I'm going to say, it, it, it has, you have a, chronic disease that's that's i because i'm gonna say i never heard of it i have to look it up yeah you know but yeah 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 thank you and i mean that was that's the the main point like you're exactly right if you saw me at a convention or just walking around you'd think i was just a normal healthy surfer looking dude with long <laughs> hair right but underneath that is is a guy that has to take medicine every single day for the rest of my life to survive, right? Yes. And, and that is the story of George. Um, but I just switched it. Mm -hmm. Originally, George had, so what I, the medical term for what I have is thrombophilia, which mm -hmm. means your blood is likely to produce blood clots. And then they can go to your heart, your, your chest, wherever. Blood mm -hmm. clots are bad. <laughs> you know, they're bad. Yes, so, yeah. so, um, so that was originally George's um, diagnosis but I could never write it. It just was too close to home. Right. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. it, was just, it was just too hard to write. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. So what I did is, is I made George a type one diabetic mm -hmm. because my closest friend at work, my work colleague, mm -hmm. colleague uh, was a type one diabetic and, mm -hmm. and he has been since he was seven years old. Mm -hmm. So we confided in each other a lot. Like yes. no one knew he had it. No one knew I had it. And yes. It was you know, we really had a sense of camaraderie there. So um, by making George a type one diabetic, I knew I could use my friend as a sounding board throughout the story mm -hmm. to make sure everything was accurate. Um, yes. And then kind of like fold in my emotional, mental experiences yes. into, into it. Yeah. So, um, Jordan, I'm going to say, you know, one, um, Jordan, you know, just thank you very much for for being open about, you know, your medical diagnosis. Just thank you very much. Um, and then now listeners, you know, there's these next set of questions. Jordan's have, has seen the questions and, you know, and Jordan, I'm going to make it clear. I'm not grilling you, but I just, if you could just maybe force listeners just to, you know, talk about your experiences because there, there's someone out there that's, that's probably struggling with your not not the exact same diagnosis you have, but but some other invisible disability or illness. So, um, so you know, and, you know, I'm just going to read this part. You know, I you know, I just again, you know, if you can just describe your struggles, how you overcame them, um, and again, the purpose is to you know, Jordan, for you to share your story to help a comic book fan who may be going through their struggles privately. So I'm going to ask like, you know, how, how did you cope with your diagnosis? Because 
and I'm going to get a little preface is that because I remember in the um, the writer's block interview, um, you know, before you were diagnosed, you're shaving with a razor, and then now they're telling you you can't. So how how did you know? Yeah. How did, how did you cope with you know your diagnosis? Something like that. Something that was normal, and now it's like I I can't do that now. You know? Yeah, yeah. That that was probably the the hardest the hardest part of of being on blood thinners. Um, you know, there's side effects that come with it: nausea, dizziness, lightheadedness, Sorry. right? Um, but I've I've just I felt like I could handle that because I knew it was just the medication, right? It was yes. more so like the lifestyle changes. Like I told you, I I wanted to be a stunt double, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I, now I I bruise easily easier than that's not a word, but you know I bruise like a yes. piece. Any look, like if I just bump myself, I'm gonna bruise. If yes. I nick myself shaving, it's gonna bleed for like ten minutes. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna need to go to the hospital, but it's just like annoying that there's yes. blood everywhere, right? So um, it was the lifestyle changes that were hard. There now there are things I I can't eat, like uh, specific things I can't eat on blood thinners because it will either thicken or thin my blood. Um, so it's not a lot, right? Yeah, it, but it's still. just like. Um, you know, like greens are bad, but then also grapefruit and, and stuff yes. like that is bad. Um, alcohol was completely out of the picture, which was okay for me. I just, you know, I wasn't a big drinker anyways. So yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, that's tough. Uh, but that, that was fine. It was like, take away chocolate from me. That would have been a different story, but luckily I could still <laughs> I still have chocolate, so uh, please don't feel. Yeah, and I kind of giggled. That's kind of funny, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Coca Cola. Like, yeah. like as long as I can still have a Coke. Um, so yeah, that that was where it was the hard part for me. Um, and then yeah, it was just uh, having so many blood clots in my lungs basically thrashed my lungs. So they were they're permanently da damaged. My lungs are are uh, full of scar tissue. So um, that was tough because living in Wisconsin, it's cold over mm -hmm. half the year and the cold air really was hard to breathe uh, in. And mm -hmm. so there was like the physical stuff mm -hmm. a little bit and, and then the lifestyle change. But um, you know how I got over everything and you will learn this in ripple effects. It's, mm -hmm. uh, not, a, it's not a spoiler, but just something to look for. But um, it just got easier the more people I talked to that were chronically ill. So, um, so like when you start meeting other people that are living with something and pushing through something and you don't, you don't even know it, like mm -hmm. they inspired me personally. Um, the woman that owned the company that I worked at right before I got sick, she had Crohn's disease, um, yes. which, is, mm -hmm. which is, you know, that could be very problematic. And it was for her mm -hmm. and she would be gone for a week. Um, and I just thought she was on vacation. And yes. then one, after I got sick, she became like a sounding board for me. I found out that she was in the hospital, that she was having emergency surgeries, all this stuff. And she would just come into work the next week with a smile, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like meeting and talking to people like her helped me just mm -hmm. accept, right? And then, you know, of course, um, you know, it, it's it's a shock. So you do feel very sad and upset. But like when you think big picture, right? Like my grandmother grew up in refugee camp. She had a much rougher life than mm -hmm. I did. And um, you know, or you walk around a children's hospital and you see children who are yes. much younger mm -hmm. suffering, 
um, that that really gave me the perspective to be like, you know what, mm -hmm. I got to change my lifestyle, but I'm still here. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Now let's, you know, and that's a big reason, I guess, too, why I started writing comics is something I always wanted to do. And then, you know, you get sick and you, mm -hmm. you almost die and you realize shit life. Oh, excuse me. No, no, you can say, don't worry. Yeah. 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 You, you realize life's short. So yes. if you want to do something, do it, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's also what I learned. Wow. Um, I, I, I'm just going to, and then I'm going to continue with some of these questions like, um, you know, when you're first diagnosis, you know, diagnosed, you know, um, did you kind of like do that? You know how some of us, we do that self-talk, like, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want so-and-so, you know, I don't want everyone at work to know because some people are going to think I'm weak or, or they're going to go, what do you, or, or some of them will go, well, can't the doctors fix you? Can't they just give you a pill and you, you're yeah. better? Yeah. Did, did you go through any of that? You know, like any of the self-talk and how oh, did you yeah. I, I, st I still go through that till this day. Like mm -hmm. it, that, that doesn't go away. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, in fact, I would say there's going to be a lot of friends of mine that have known me for years that they're going to find out about my chronic illness through ripple effects. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're not even going to know otherwise. Um, so yes, there's, there's always that, um, it's always in the back of your mind. And that's what me and my coworker who had type one diabetes mm -hmm. talk about all the time, mm -hmm. right? Because it would get in the way of work and you gotta like, we felt like we had to scramble to hide it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, there's great people out there that are understanding and supportive. Yeah. And there's also people out there that aren't, you know, and, and yeah. sadly, and then sadly, that's the way it is. And yeah. just like you said, like a lot of people think everything's curable, right? You know, like, Oh, just take a pill or, Oh, you know, don't drink caffeine or something like, you know, like that's yeah. not the case. So, uh, so yeah, it's still something I, I struggle with. I struggle with, um, you know, I'm both, both sides of it. And uh, Matthew No, uh, who's a librarian, he wrote our foreword for the trade paperback. Mm -hmm. uh, and he has uh, um, a chronic illness with pain, where sometimes he needs a cane, mm -hmm. and other times he doesn't. And yes. he notes in the foreword, how people treat him much differently with the cane, as opposed to without the cane, even though he's still the same, right? He's yes. still in that pain. Mm -hmm. But just you know, having that the different treatments. So that he wrote a great forward for the uh, for the trade. Okay. Um, um, I'm gonna thank you. You know, just Jordan, just thank you very much for sharing that. I, I'm gonna kind of you know continue to move on. Um, now, you, you saw one of the questions. You know, like and you know, I and I love your your positive attitude thanks you know, turning and i love you know and and it's like you, you know you saw one of my notes is that you know you turned a negative into a positive you know um and the question i'm going to ask i'm just going to jump ahead to this one question to wrap up this part here before we start really going to ripple effects is now i'm not making light of your situation during all this, were there any funny moments or even a bright spot during all, you know, what you're going through? And for, let's, and I'm going to say, for example, like for me, I'm taking Plavix. It's a blood thinner. Um, just recently, you know, um, I, 
my doctor's office left a message on my iPhone and it was transcribed as pelvic medication. You know? <laughs> sure, yeah. 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 Now, I, I you know, was there any funny moments like this or you know, or you know, whether what you're going through now during your hospitalization or or any bright spots, you know? Sure, yeah. Um there are there are a couple. Uh um so sad unfortunately I've been in the hospital more than once. So the first time was kind of really scary the whole time, right? And that was just like a shock and and just processing everything. But uh, after that, um, you know, once when I had returned to the hospital for almost a week and and things, you know, we had a better gauge on stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very tall. I'm six three, and hospital beds are not for people that are six three. <laughs> so, okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but yes, I know. <laughs> yes, no, no, you should, because if if you would have seen me, it was ridiculous. So um, I was like crunched in this bed. Yes. I just kept asking the nurses, like, could I get a bed extender? Could I get a yes. bed extender? And they couldn't find them. So it was like, I was just like squashed, like, we can't find them, we can't find them. So finally, one day, like halfway through my stay, I was in a wheelchair being wheeled for some x-rays, and I get wheeled past my high school friend uh who's working at the hospital as a nurse mm -hmm. and and he's like what's going on you like all that stuff he's like well do you need anything i looked it was like i need a bed extender and i gave him my room and he, i was like they can't effing find them i'm so uncomfortable and he's like oh i know where those are so sure enough i came back and the bed extenders were there and it was it was the best so that's yeah. great. So it's just, I, I was like not expecting to run into my friend who's also tall. So yeah. he, he felt the pain, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that was pretty great. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I, I'm thank, thank you for that. that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, but that, but that's great. That was the perfect meeting spot. High school friend. Hey, yeah. what do you need? Bed extender. I know. Got it. It's not like I know. Like he was like thinking food, water, yeah. <laughs> soup. I'm like, bro, bed extender. Make, <laughs> please, please. That was pretty great. That was so, yeah. The look on his face. It was like surprised, but then like he nodded. He got it. He's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Oh, but Jordan, again, Jordan, again, thank you, again, thank you very much for sharing. You know some of your experience, what you're going through, you know, what you've been through, what you're going through. And just thank you for, you know, um, just being open about, yeah, what you're going through. Just thank you very much. Of course. No problem. And, and thank you for that very funny story too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I'm going to ask you, how did you come up with the title Ripple Effects? Uh yeah, you know, it's funny. When I'm writing, the title is the hardest thing for mm -hmm. me to, to decide on. And it's funny because most of my friends who are writers, they usually come up with the title first. Mm -hmm. Like, they have the idea, and then they got the title, and then it's off. And I'm like, man, you guys are lucky. And I just <laughs> am laboring over a title for months. Um, but this one came to me pretty quickly. Uh, because um, obviously Georgia's superpower is that ripple when his body absorbs the yes. impact, the ripple will go through. So um, it 
ripple effect to me, it applies to his power, right? It's the effect yes. of his power. But the real meaning to me uh, of ripple effects is that this is a story about the ripple effects of, on your life of being chronically ill, mm -hmm. right? Like, and on loved ones' lives, it's not just, you know, like that's what I learned too. Like it affects all of your loved ones. Yes. Lives. So that's, that's where the title came from is just that ripple effect. Um, and I'm not saying it has to be, it's an, it's a always negative ripple effect. Mm -hmm. You know, there's good and bad things that come, come from it. So, uh, so yeah, that's the real meaning. Oh, okay. All right. And then, you know, who are your main characters in the story? Sure. So yeah, my main character is George Gibson who, who has the power. And then, um, the kind of secondary character is, uh, her name is Kristen Gutierrez. Mm -hmm. uh, she is a, the most powerful superhero uh, mm -hmm. in SoCal. Uh, mm -hmm. and her name is Salvadora because she saved a cruise ship of people off the SoCal coast. Uh, and, and they named her, the press named her that. And that's, a, that's also a point in the story is that, you know, she didn't pick that nickname, the public. Oh, okay. She goes by it. But she's, she's essentially, you know, your Superman character, right? You know, mm -hmm. she can fly, she's invincible. She's the strongest of all the, uh, the superheroes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as well, the, the other big characters, her, uh, upper, uppercut, no spoilers, uppercut, uh, is he's a Robin Hood figure where, you know, it's easy to chalk him up as a villain, but everything he's doing is kind of to help people who can't help themselves. So yes. I look at him more as like an, a, a super powered, aggressive Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's like one of my favorite characters is Magneto. And, and I, I, what I love about Magneto is that in any issue, he could be the good guy or he could be the bad guy. And like, it just depends on what's going on. And, and that's kind of what I wanted Uppercut to be. Oh, okay. All right. Now, now, okay. Now I, now, now I understand. Okay. All right. Because I, because I read the first issue. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, because I know Uppercut and Salvador, there's some type of a relationship there. Because, yes, correct. And I'm not going to spoil any, but I know Uppercut kind of mentions to Salvador, you know, hey, you know, we, you know, we grew up far away from, because I think they were robbing some high-end. Beverly Hills, yeah. yeah. Beverly Hills robbery, yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now I understand. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, my next question um, you know, I know already George has type one diabetes and I'm going to ask you, may I ask, you know, why'd you make George like kind of like a, and correct me if I'm wrong because I, I kind of forgot, but you kind of like, kind of made him sort of in, invulnerable to things, correct? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So how did, why did you choose him to be invulnerable? Um, how did I, that idea I just, come up? Yeah. I thought, I thought if he had a chronic illness, if I wanted to think in terms of opposites, what would be the best superpower? And I was like, oh that nothing can hurt him except himself. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I came with it. That, yeah. That that's, the only thing that can hurt George is his own body. Yeah. That is so cool. That, that is really cool. Now, um, and like I mentioned, you know, is, you know, um, I read the first issue. I thought it was fascinating that you had George gained his powers and the diabetes at 
at the um, same time. And correct me if I'm wrong, because in the first issue, he's trying to hide both of them at correct. the same time. Yeah. So yeah. where did that idea come from? Because I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. That, you know. I, I thought that, you know, how Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent and Peter Parker all hide their superpowers from everyone they know. Like, um, sometimes it can be like that for chronically ill people, that they're hiding their illness from everyone they know. At least I know from a personal experience I did for the most yes. part. Um, so I thought telling a story where you have the traditional character hiding his superhero identity, but then in addition, hiding the invisible illness, um, it just kind of married, you know, your typical sto superhero story with real life, kind of, kind of putting the two together. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's, that's great. That's really great. Thanks. Okay. And then, and I'm going to ask, how did you um, team up with Fanbase Press? Because I know you already mentioned you're friends with Barbara and... Yeah, Brian. Brian, yeah. yes. Yeah, so uh, I basically got to know them when Terminarch, my first book, came came out. Uh, I was on their fan base weekly podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, yeah, so I met them that way. And I go to all the SoCal cons because I'm still a comic fan. Uh, mm -hmm. You'll see me digging through all the old short and long boxes. Just just look in the comic dealers. Nice. Section, I'll be there. Uh, so we just always stayed in touch, always kind of hung out after mm -hmm. that. I did their podcast a few times and then, um, yeah, basically I, I had the idea for ripple effects and I felt like they would be the ideal publisher just mm -hmm. uh, based on the type of stories they publish and the mm -hmm. care they put into the stories. Uh, and I'd say the respect they, they give the creators. Um, so I just ran it by them and I, I did not pitch to anyone else. And I was like, I would like to go with you, uh, both of you, but obviously no pressure. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, like this is not weird, but you know, I think what your values align with this and mm -hmm. yeah, sure enough, they, uh, they wanted to publish. So that's, yeah, that's how it happened. That is pretty cool. Now, how did you team up with your artists? And I just realized I'm going to butcher his last name, Bruno. Truly, truly. Charlie. Oh, okay. Yep. Thank you. Uh, he, uh, Fanbase Press, uh, put out a call for submissions for artists, and and we got a bunch, uh, got a bunch of great, great submissions. It was actually really um, hard to decide because they were all different. Everyone had a different style, and and they were all great. Um, but Bruno's, why we liked him was that um, his style, I felt, worked best with the story uh, mm -hmm. in terms of it's, it's very simple, delicate line work. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's set in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, the colors really need to lead mm -hmm. uh, in, in anything in Los Angeles uh, or in California. So if you're using an artist that's heavy with the ink, Mm -hmm. uh, that's better for like uh you know gotham right yes. like gotham city or you know mm -hmm. like a city but when you want something bright and vibrant you usually want less ink more line work so yes. um yeah that's that's why we picked him he was great to work with and then um off the cuff question because i know you're a colorist too is that correct yeah yep and you did the colors for for this book as well too correct correct yep correct 
Okay. And then um, now I also, but then, um, I also, you know, do you want to give a shout out to um, the rest of the creative team? Yeah, yeah. So the so the rest of the um, team definitely uh, uh, the color flatter who helped who helped me with all that's all the hard work. That's uh, Shane Cadlick uh, did that. So mm -hmm. he was uh, uh, he was awesome. Uh, and then our letterer was Oceano Radsford who did mm -hmm. a fantastic job. And then uh, my friend Justin Harder did the covers for all of uh, the issues. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's the creative team right there. It was it was great. Okay, now um, I'm going to ask for our listeners. Can you tell our listeners, you know, um, where you have uh, where they may have seen Justin's other works? You know, um, yeah, some of his other works. Yeah, so uh, so Justin Harder, uh, my friend, uh, is actually the owner of Klaus Studios, and that's his Instagram handle. If you want to check out his work, it's fantastic. He's a uh, uh, illustrator um, for TV, film, and kind of advertising commercials. Mm -hmm. So he did the end titles of Deadpool One, the little stick, the stick figure guy yes. that comes out at the end credits on red. So he drew all of that. And um, when Terminar came out at WonderCon, I was there signing posters and Justin had a booth a, a couple of tables down. And I was like, oh, my brother's a huge Deadpool fan. Like, could, could you mail me a sketch to give him for your birthday? And he's like, yeah, he's like, where do you live? And I told him, he's like, that's where I live. And it turns out we lived literally seven blocks from each other wow. in Santa Monica and we had, we had no idea. Um, yeah, so we just stayed stayed friends. So yeah, Justin was the artist of the Thor, the Dark World end titles as well. Yes. Um, he also did My Little Pony, mm -hmm. uh, Book of Life, um, and then he's basically pitched on on just almost every Marvel movie. And then his his latest Marvel thing is he did the Blade logo for the new Mahershala Ali. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So he did that logo too. But um, he has such uh, just visually striking, bright, vibrant style that um, I knew his his covers would be great, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I just couldn't be happier uh, with the way they turned out. So issue one is a good uh, is is a good introduction, but they they just get just get crazier because now the new issues will be people in costumes, and it's just it's like this great marriage of pop art with mm -hmm. comic art. And uh, um, I love it because the yeah because I remember looking at the first cover. It's it's just it's 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 really good. It's just all it is is George. Yeah, because he's a um, he's kind of like an Uber driver. He's not a pizza yeah, driver. Uber Uber eats delivery guy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. on the cover, he you know you see him having the pizza, and then you just see that ripple of you know the the side the ripple effects around him. Yeah, it's just pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that was like, awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I'm glad. Thank you. I, I'm glad you like it as well. I'll make sure to tell them. Oh, thank you. All right. Um, now you know, and listeners, you know, when when whenever you listen to this interview, you know the ish, the first issue is already out and it came out digitally via Hoopla Hoopla Digital. Came out on June 15. Now, Jordan, you know, what were the advantages? of working with digital? 
Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest advantage for me personally as, as a writer is, is no page limit, right? Yeah. When, when you're in print, you need to be at 22 or 20, mm -hmm. um, depending on publisher. Yes. In digital, it could be as long as you want. Mm -hmm. So issue one, I want to say is 32 pages. Yes, I'm going to say you're right. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's about 32 or 33 pages, which is great. So um, it just gives me much more flexibility to tell more story. Mm -hmm. um, so digital, I love that. Uh, another great advantage to digital is that it's easy for anyone to get that doesn't have a comic store yes. um, close. So that, you know, I always will always champion comic stores and, and try to yes. you know, tell everyone to buy the printed version yes. and support the store. But if, if you can't, um, having it digitally uh, is great for people that can't, can't get out to a store yeah. or don't live by one. Oh, yes, because it's... and. I remember um, in the writer's block, um, Barbara said that the digital hoopla, I think now is, uh, it should be, I think, inter some, parts inter in some parts international now, I think. Reed. Yes, I think. correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep. And the great thing about hoopla too is if you have a library card, you can read Ripple Effects for free. So that was, you know, another thing that was really important to Barbara, Brian, and I was just trying to get this uh, in front of as many people as is possible so yes. that anyone who's interested in it, uh, you know, in chronic illness could read it. Yes. And, and like you said, like, you know, um, you know, like, like you mentioned that, you know, you still will always champion, you know, um, brick and mortar comic book stores, but, but it's, let's say someone in, uh, in, on Lanai, you know, that, you know, there's, you know, Lanai is small and it's not going to have a comic book shop, you know, be, you know, because it's just so small there, but they have internet access. Yep. Yep. You know, or in Her like, yeah, or in the heartlands where it's like somewhere in the middle of Montana, you know, it's correct. They have internet access, but yeah. Correct. Yep. And that, that's, was important to us. Yep. Now oh, that's just great. Okay. Um, now, also too with um, ripple effects, because at the um, at the end of each issue, there's something called um, unseen ripples. Now, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. Now, unseen ripples are kind of like um, personal essays that you guys had from people who write their experiences, their different experiences of um, invisible disabilities. Now, right. may I ask? You know, um, you know. Um, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so Barbara Bryant and I, uh, we were really focused on having bonus content in each issue. Like we, we really wanted to have stuff that further, um, you know, spoke to and educated about chronic illness and invisible illnesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had kicked around, like, do we do, infographics do we do special interviews do we do all of this and and we were working on it for a few months actually um and then barbara and brian just had the idea and said why don't you know this story is so close to you telling you know your story through mm -hmm. fiction why don't we get the real story from someone um to just further help readers connect and mm -hmm. become a little bit more aware of invisible illnesses so they came up with the idea um 
And the cool thing is that all of these essays, there's one in each issue, um, are all people with invisible illnesses talking about their experience, but every single essay, um, the person is connected to comics in some way, which oh. is really cool too. So um, we have editors, we have an artist, we have um, <clears throat> uh, in-house, I do the fifth one. So yes. um, yeah, every, everyone is connected to comics in some way, which we thought was really cool too. Yeah. And then, and this is off the cuff, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I know, um, I think the first Unseen Ripples is from Dr. Teresa Rojas. Correct. So basically, yep. she talked about her type 2 diabetes. Yes. And then each Unseen Ripple, what I love about it, because I, I remember reading in the press release, is that um, one will cover like um, 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 a mental health issue perspective. Yep. Um, one will talk about like, you know, another different, um, another different, um, disability, I think multiple sclerosis, I think. Correct. Correct. And, yep. And it kind of, to me, it's kind of neat that it talks about the general, just the general things that we hear about. And I think what's also, what I love about it too, is that you're, like you said, that yours is going to be in the fifth one where yeah. it's like, it's going to be one of those, you know, if it's outside of the medical community, really outside of the medical community, nobody knows about about what you're going through mm -hmm. and I and totally. it's those rare ones and it's like at least and that's great you know thank you yeah yeah that was exactly the goal so glad you feel that way no but yeah now already you know the um again you know um the first issue is already out may I ask you know did you get any what were some of the fans reactions did you get any fan mail or anything like that or any um, yeah it's the the reactions have been great um which is which is really great to see um you know like the 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 reaction that we've gotten a couple of that that makes me smile the most and makes me the happiest are the people saying that i have a chronic illness and this is exactly what it is like and i've have a chronic illness and I've never seen a superhero that has lives a life like what what mine is so yes. you know in issue one George isn't even in his George doesn't have a costume yes he doesn't yeah. even have a costume so it's like this is really just George's life even though he has superpowers it's what his life is like um with diabetes mm -hmm. and you know getting that review that you know from people like me that have an invisible illness and are like I've never seen a hero and it's just it's great I love it so yes because I um because when you're talking about that because the only one the only superhero that I well actually more the only character in comics I can think of that has an invisible illness is Clint Barton's Hawkeye because yes. in Matt Fraction's um that famous that very famous um story um comic my, most fam my favorite run my favorite modern run is the fraction aha uh -huh, yes yeah, because it talked about his deafness yeah yep yeah you know but now it's like you know but if i pick up but and and again it's not i'm not criticizing marvel or anything but 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 now it's like when i read it it's like hawkeye's well he's 
Mm-hmm. You know, we don't hear him having, ah, shoots, man, my hearing aids out again. Or, oh, yeah. shoots, Ultron uses that um, the ultrasonic disruptor and it blew out my hearing aid or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah I agree. But, yeah, um, sorry, that, sorry, I kind of got off track there. But um, I wanted to, um, I'm going to ask, you know, will we see more of George's story in the future? Or will we see more stories of this world? Uh, I hope so. The world is pretty big and it definitely ends in a way that it's a good ending, but it's also not, there's room to keep going, if that makes sense. So, yeah, like there's resolution. The story, you know, is satisfying ending, Mm -hmm. but um, there's definitely room to keep going. So, yeah, it could be fun. Okay. All right. Now I'm slowly wrapping things up. So, um, we already talked about that you're a big Galactus fan. Um, how big is your Galactus collection? <laughs> it's it's not that big. I have a, I have a few figures, and those two posters are kind of the centerpieces. But um, the comic collection, the X Men collection, yeah, that's it's pretty pretty big. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been going to conventions since they were in community centers and Radisson in and holiday in lobbies, not even in a reception room. They're just in a lobby. So yeah. bowling alleys, that was a big one in Wisconsin. <laughs> you go to a little party room in a bowling alley in the back mm-hmm. of a bowling alley and there's just all these long boxes. It's heaven. It's it's uh it's very surreal to go to like San Diego or New York Comic Con now. And yes. Like, Holy crap. Like mm-hmm. this is from bowling alleys to to this it's it's very surreal all right um i'm gonna ask did you did you back that has lab crowdfunding um galactus action figure last year yes wow. i have no idea what i'm gonna do with it <laughs> so big, but yeah it's i awesome. hear you <laughs> Hasbro, I think Hasbro's been doing a great job lately, especially their three three and three quarter G.I. Joe sized Marvel figures that they've been doing lately. The Marvel Legends, they're so great. They've been nailing it. I'm going to say exactly the same thing. It's like, yeah, I, I back that. I have no idea where I'm going to put this. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. Did you see pictures? Um, because I know when people finally got their, their Sentinel figures, did yeah. you see pictures? Yeah. It's like some guy had, I mean, it was like that Sentinel figure, it fit a small, you know, it fit, it was the size of a, of a, of a, like a little kid's tricycle. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. It was like, oh my, it's like a little kid, like almost. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think it was Comic-Con 2012, I want to say. Hasbro had an exclusive at the show that was the Shield Helicarrier. And, like, we saw pictures of it. And we're like, oh, this Shield Helicarrier, awesome. I remember me and my brother were there. And then we went to the Hasbro booth and we saw the box. Okay. It's, like, four and a half feet long. We're like, never mind. Like, <laughs> like that's not fitting on the plane. That's that's going to cost so much to ship. Like, yeah, where am I going to put that? But but yeah, I, I think it's cool that they make stuff so big because it's like if you got the space, like that's pretty pretty awesome. So 
Um, but yeah, just a constant question for me is where am I going to put this? <laughs> but at least I see a helicarrier. At least you, phys- you and your brother physically saw it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just see yeah. pictures and I have no idea how big this thing is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Ah, okay. All right. Um, like I'm slowly wrapping things up. So what is the most fun or exciting thing you love working in comics? Uh, going to conventions. And, and that's been, that's been the, um, you know, a, a major, major tough part of COVID, right. Is the no conventions. It's like ripple effects. I've, I haven't met any of the other creator or like creatives on this book besides Justin, the cover artist. I haven't met them in person ever. Um, and normally like conventions are where you do meet the people that you collaborate with and Mm -hmm. everything. And and also as, as we were talking about, like, I have a pro badge to the convention, but I'm still a fan. Like I'll always be a fan. And and it's like, if there's a good panel, I'm going to go to it. If there's an awesome exclusive at Hasbro, I will wait in line at 4am for it. You know, like I take, I take pride in being a fan first, right? Because I feel like those are the best comic creators are the ones that are still fans, right? Yes. And you can, you can tell uh, when, when you do it. So conventions, yeah, have, have been tough, but that's, that's my favorite part, you know, mm-hmm. getting out at a convention. And normally I go to a bunch every year and it's, it's a blast. Wow. All blast. So I know you already mentioned about, you know, one of the funny saying things you love working comics is going to conventions. Do you have, either one or a couple favorite convention moments as a fan as a fan yeah um yeah i mean 2019 comic-con i was walking in uh right down fifth street which is the main road in downtown san diego Mm -hmm. gas lamp where it's shut down and i see this big guy i'm like that's got to be a bodyguard Mm -hmm. slowly walking behind him was Patrick Stewart and I'm like oh man like mm-hmm. that's Picard that's yeah. Professor X like yes. everything and like you know he must have been going somewhere they were in a hurry they weren't lollygagging but yeah. like yeah seeing him in person was pretty awesome um another random like one of the craziest nights of my life well, not craziest, but like craziest that it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York Comic Con 2012. Uh, my wife and I were there, and we uh, just went to our, um, one of the hotels just to get dinner. Mm-hmm. And you know, 2012 Game of Thrones. Not many people watched it yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just after it was just started. Not many people watched it. We're sitting um, at the bar eating dinner, and mm-hmm. I, it's her on my left, and I look to the person next to me on the mm-hmm. right, and yeah. it's Kit Harrington. It's Jon Snow. And no one knows who he is yes. because no one's watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. My wife and I obviously had watched every episode, and like, we're dying on the inside. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, my God, what do we do? So she's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just, just going to start talking to like a normal, like I don't know who he is. Yeah. We ended up like hanging out with him for – probably three and a half, four hours, I would say, just like talking about everything. Cause he was there for the show too. And he's yeah. getting dinner and it's just like, it was nuts. And like I said, no one knew who he was. And that was, that was the craziest thing. So um, that was, that's probably like my number one con experience is just hanging out with Ken Harrington. And he was great. He was great to me. He was great to my wife. And we were just, just nerds hanging out. Yeah. And, 
uh, eating dinner. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. But I think the cool thing was you just treat you just treated him like a normal guy. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Hey, I see you. On, and because I would have, I'm sure that would, oh, you know. <sighs> yeah, I agree. I think, and I think that's like the key, right? You know, living in LA, you, you see it that mm-hmm. a lot of times I, th- I feel like celebrities just want to be relaxed and, and I guess treated normal, norm, as normal as they can yeah. be, you know, not all of them. So I feel like, yeah. Like if, like, if you see Arnold Schwarzenegger working out at Gold's Gym, mm-hmm. if you ask him for a picture, he'll probably say no. But if you ask him to spot you on the squat rack, I've heard yeah. he says yes. So it's like, you just, gotta, <laughs> just, find, just find the common ground. So, yeah, just find, find the common ground. But I got to think, but that's pretty cool that Kid Harrington, you, and you guys hung out for like almost three yeah. hours, just talking yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was, it was fun. And that, that's a great thing about cons, you know, like when a lot of people from Wisconsin would come visit my wife and I in LA and like, we want to see celebrities. We'd love to see a celebrity. It's like, yeah. well, if you really want to see a celebrity, just go to San Diego Comic-Con. And mm-hmm. you're, they're going to be everywhere. You yeah. Know? So that's my, that's my hack to anyone, you know, obviously <laughs> provided if they can get a badge, but yeah. uh, you know, I mean, even if you just hang out downtown, you'll, you'll see celebrities walking by. It's pretty fun. Um, I have two off the cuff questions. Because I want to circle back. I know you said you're a big Ghostbusters fan. Um, if IDW, and I'm and I'm joking on this part, you know, if IDW calls you after this interview ends, goes, hey, Jordan, you know, um, you know, you know, we heard about you. You, you know, you want to write a miniseries for Ghostbusters? Do you have a story pitch for them? Uh, do I have a pitch for them? It, well, I used to until Ghostbusters Afterlife came <laughs> and now it's like, well, that's way better and it's pretty much the same thing. But uh, yeah, I feel like I have a story, a story pitch for them for sure if they mm-hmm. were, if they were to call. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would be ready for mm-hmm. sure. And then, um, because you already mentioned Patrick Stewart, you saw Patrick Stewart, you know, um, I know you mentioned already Professor X, you're a big X-Men fan. Um, and you said, you know, you recognize him also as Captain, Captain Picard. Are you, are you a Star Trek fan? Um, not as huge as I am a comic fan, but yeah. as, as, as a kid, like, I remember they always used to play Next Generation on Sundays for yeah. some, whatever reason, like Sunday mornings, Next Generation was on. So I'd always just have that on while drawing. Mm-hmm. As a, so, yeah, all, all sci-fi genre I love. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I, I love that for sure. Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, I'm going to slowly wrap things up. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? As a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I just went to Hawaii for the first time last month ever. Uh, oh, nice. Actually, both of our first time ever leaving North the mainland. We had, yes. never, we had never left the mainland before. Um, her sister got married there. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. So, I'm from Wisconsin. I live in California, close to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And like for the Midwest, this is a vacation where we live. Like this Mm -hmm. is where Midwesters come. So uh, we always want to go to Hawaii, but I was like, well, we have the ocean here. We have 70 degrees here. Like Mm -hmm. I really want to go to Hawaii, but it's so expensive. And so finally, it finally took her sister's wedding to get us out there. 
And I'm not kidding. We were there for probably two hours tops. Uh-huh. And we just looked at each other. And we're like, we get it now. This is the best place ever. You know what I mean? Like, it's not comparable to California. Yeah. And it's worth every penny. So, like, that was our joke. Is like, we get it. We get mm-hmm. it. This, this is, it's, it's paradise. So, yeah, it was one of the best vacations um, I've ever gone on. And like I said, our first time leaving the mainland ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of a better place uh, to go. So uh, we were on the big island. We were there okay. the time, but but yeah, we we enjoyed it. Where where are you? Uh, I'm on Oahu, so I'm on the main island. On the main island, but yeah, but the big island—that's the perfect place to be because you know it's um, because I always and and it, you know again it's just to describe a little bit of um, Oahu is Oahu's you know, is the, is the main island is where, you know, it's like, it's the metropolitan area. You know, you're going to see big buildings. You're going to, and, and I mean, we have our mountains, we have the blue skies and pretty much wherever you look, you're going to see the ocean. Yeah. But the big island, you know, there's certain parts of the big island where it's literally untouched. Yeah. You know, where you don't, you know, yeah. um, um, like um, um, for the big island, on the Hilo side, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of rambling on. Um, yeah. The Hilo side, it's on the east side of um, the state. You know, um, you know, um, to me, it's it's a nice, quiet town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, their downtown area. You know, it it's almost it's you know it's to me what I love about it, it's untouched by time because mm-hmm. some of those building architecture still look like they're from the fifties and sixties. Totally. It's really yeah. We drove, we drove the whole big Island and we did stop it. You know, I totally agree. It's like, yeah, those buildings, you can tell they're original. It's, yes. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the Kona side is the tourist side. And it's on the West side of the Island. That's yeah. your, your tourist area. Yep. No. Yeah. Yeah, what what blew my mind uh, was how, you know, like I said, driving around the island, it was like there were so many different climates depending on where you were, like from Kona to Hilo to Crater Park. It's just like there's three three different little climates. It was it was awesome. It was was really cool. Mm -hmm. And going from like north of Kona where it's super volcanic Mm -hmm. to then going to Hilo where it felt like Jurassic Park and very lush and just yes yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was so cool what we were joking it's like oh it feels like we went to multiple vacations in one because you know everything is different it was very cool yes and I think um I can't remember if um I know there I think some parts of the year and I'm not sure but I think um you know, for the observatories, you know, the roads are, I think, open at certain times of the year, mm-hmm. you know, but then again, I know, I think recently, I think park rangers were telling, um, um, there was a news report of like, I think for park rangers, they had to like stop cars coming down because they had to check to make sure that their temperature on their brakes or their you know wheels would, would st- you know, would at least kind of, um, uh, it would be too hot and you would yeah. have to let it kind of like cool down a bit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. You, you're, it's going, you're going, I guess you're going out steep and you're coming down you're using your. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. But I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. It was, yeah. Super tall. <laughs> cool to see. 
All right. Um, last question. Any closing words to our listeners? Um, thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you for, you know, supporting podcasts like this. I, you know, this is what being a comic fan is all about, you know, and we're, we're a strong crowd, us comic fans. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, pretty cool to see the respect that comics are getting now because Mm -hmm. when I was getting swirlies in grade school for an X-Men backpack, I did not think the guy giving me a swirly would be wearing a Captain America shirt as a father 25 years. (laughs) So it's a, it's a very surreal, uh, very surreal uh, time, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for your time and thank you for listening. No, Jordan, you know, I wish you all the success with um, ripple effects. You know, I, I really do. And, and I, I want to not only thank you for your time, but thank you for opening up, you know, um, you know, being a little vulnerable about telling about, you know, um, what you're going through and some, and some of the things that, you know, you know, w- with your, um, with your illness too, is just thank you very much for being open to that, uh, to open, open up, you know, just thank you for sharing that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, I also want to thank Barbara of Fanbase Press, you know, for help set up this interview. Again, Barbara, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, and if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Ripple Effect from Fanbase Press. Now, the individual issues are available on Digital Hoopla right now, and you can pre-order the trade through, now, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, www.fanbasepress.com, is that correct? Correct, yep, correct. And now, um, I believe our interview for a wide release is going to come up in probably sometime in July, but if if the listeners do a pre-order before August 1st, they're going to... They're going to get, um, um, I know um, you're going to do something, I think like an autograph or a, a yeah, print or uh, something? Yeah, screen print. Yeah, it'll be a signed, uh, signed screen print. For oh, okay. Yep. And then, and then, of course, then, then the, um, and then the trade will be out in November of this year. Correct. Yep. All right. And then, again, you know, listeners, I encourage you to please check out Ripple Effects. I've read the first issue. I love it. To me, to me, the first issue, what I love about it is that it's a slice of life of a normal person, George. You know, he's got superpowers. He's, you know, at the same time, he's dealing with a chronic illness, you know, and the added challenges that come with it. To me, this story, you know, is a, to me, it's a story of a metaphor for basically all of us. You know, it's a metaphor for, you know, maybe a nurse right now who's, you know, um, providing for her family while dealing you know, while having a cancer diagnosis, you know, or an Uber driver who is trying to make ends meet and provide for his family while dealing some type of mental health issue and challenges of daily stress, you know. Um, and, you know, again, like I said, you know, basically, you know, I like this story because it's, a, it's basically it's the story about us, you know. That's what thank I Thank mean. you. That was my goal. So, yes, thank you. No, oh, you know, Jordan, thank you. I also want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, 
please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And their mail order company, Deep Discount Comics. Um, and we went there and, and we were actually invoice number 0001. We are the we were the very first <laughs> their very first customer, um, which was kind of cool. They've been nothing short of fantastic customer service wise. Discounts they were very close, if not the same or better than DCBS on a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. Over and above uh, customer service wise, always taking care of us, going the extra mile, so responsive, getting instantaneous. Uh, responses back to uh, questions about things and to the point where knowing the stuff you like and anticipating your needs and having it suggested to, that you might want to add this to your order already uh, before you even have to think about about it that's kind of cool really quality experience so we, we love working with Calabunga and Deep Discount and that's why they're in our show notes every single episode and have been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes that mm-hmm. we leave them there because we like them. They're cool, good people. That's why they're in there. By God, they'd tell you to, if you've got a local comic book shop that you love, stay with them because every, everybody needs to support their local comic shops. But if you're looking, check them out. You can check them out in, in the show notes. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of them. Either get on their list just so you can check and see what kind of FOC and pre-order stuff they have and the discounts, and they'll send it to you um, each month, get you on that email list. And you can check out their shop because they have a great shop of exclusive Cowabunga mm-hmm. variants. Amazing stuff. Yes, they've always been there for us, and we take them for granted. So there you go. Now you, now you know. <laughs>